Good morning. My name is David Oss, the summer ministry intern here at Mary Methodist. Today, we'll be reading from two separate passages of Scripture. The first one being 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. It says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all your situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Our second scripture today is from Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8. It says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this gift of your wonderful and beautiful word that you've given us. I want to pray for Pastor Mike right now, God, and that you have the, your, your sovereign words flow from him and and our ears are ready to hear your word, and our hearts are ready to apply that to our daily lives. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful day and for this wonderful word that you have for us. In your name I pray, amen. Greetings, friends. To those of you that are joining us on the church online, this is our celebration of Independence Weekend. So already this morning, we hope, uh, we're, we're recording a little bit er earlier than that, but we hope we've had a wonderful ceremony and celebration outside at our 815 service. Uh, you're joining us at, at 1015 this morning or any other time you want. It's appropriate for us to be together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get right to our sermon for this morning. The American culture grants us the freedom to live the Christian life. And you've heard the expression, freedom is not free. Now, I know that sometimes in America that becomes pretty cliche, kind of a cliche of, of patriotism. A lot of people get T-shirts on it. I saw a guy down the street from me had one of those yard signs, kind of like we had yard signs for our church move a few years ago, that said, freedom's not free. And I know I've got uh, a friend that served in the U.S. military that has a tattoo on his forearm with the very same words, freedom is not free. Now, the reason that that's broadly circulated and that we say it with some frequency is because it's simply true. Freedom is not free. The freedoms under which you and I rise, live, and sleep have been won, not granted. They weren't just given to us. Years ago, the American Revolution separated us as a colony from uh, our, you know, colleagues across the sea in England and gave us freedom. And the freedoms under which we rise and live and, and sleep have been challenged often and have been kept at great financial and emotional 
cultural and human cost. And that cost fuels our freedom. Quite simply, freedom is not free. And that's more than a slogan for we Americans. For we Americans, it is an important and costly truth. And so on, a, on an independent Sunday like this, when we celebrate our independence, deep gratitude is appropriate. It's appropriate for us to, to, to give gratitude to those who have ensured a free republic, the free republic in which we live. It is right to commemorate and honor them. Importantly, while freedom is not free, freedom means truly free. Because you see, democracy means choice. And in democracy, we are free, and there is often this free and often robust, robust expression of ideas from the, from the north and the east and the south and the west. And, and, and those ideas, though we don't agree with all of them, the expression of them is embraced and approved. That's what true freedom is. And attempts to limit choices are routinely and vigorously pushed back, even by some who don't agree with some of the choices that people are making. Each is given the opportunity and responsibility in how they use and express their freedom. Like it or not, a person can stand or kneel when the national anthem is played. You can speak enthusiastically for or against the policies of any governmental authority. Freedom means in the United States that you are truly and completely free. Therefore, the American culture does not force the living of the Christian life. Let me say that again. The American culture does not force the living of the Christian life. That's very important. Now, understand this. The American culture has many values that over the years have been derived from Christianity. Many of our founding parents had a Christian worldview, and their values were embedded in our national DNA. First time they started printing money, up through whenever they started, kept printing money on Friday, the words, in God we trust, are on our coins and bills. As homage to the great Judeo-Christian God, We've implemented Good Samaritan laws, which we know point back to a story that Jesus told in the Scripture, but we are a nation that helps. So some of those things kind of, you know, they get kind of, um, you know, you know not, not just transformed, but they, they kind of cross barriers. But they come out of what was an embedded Christian conscience in our founding parents. And even with all that going on, we understand that the American culture is not Christian, regardless how much we desire it to be. And I do desire it to be a Christian culture. But truthfully, many though many Christian themes were present in the shaping of the United States, we understand this as citizens, that God is not the primary authority in American culture. Pure freedom of thought and the opportunity is the prime authority, which also means, and this is important, and this is where we go today, because this is a sermon, not a, not, a, not, not a talk on patriotism. Christians are still free to live the Christian life, regardless of what the mood in our country is. Christians are still free, that's you and I, to live the Christian life. Now, we know because we live in 2020 
that, that there is evident and obvious pushback to all things Christian in the mainstream media and beyond. Something we can neither deny or ignore. It is simply there. We can wish it were not true or we can wither in the challenge. But I believe it's our responsibility and opportunity in living the Christian life to take up the charge that Paul puts before us. And on this Independence Sunday, I encourage you and admonish you to do just that. We are living in a moment, the only moment we're going to have in our lives. This generation is the only one we get tasked with. It's the only one we get opportunity to live in. And we are live, living in a time where is this pre-Christian opportunity to transform our nation, and we pray the whole globe, for the Lord. I offer today an admonishment to, to choose the countercultural life dedicated to using freedoms to fulfill the mission of God here in America, in America where we are blessed to live. Now, Christians are to use our freedom to fulfill our charge to do a number of things. First, to preach the word. Now, I know some of you get, get scared. They're like, oh, Pastor Mike, I am not going to stand up there on Sunday morning. I'm not going to stand there and put a microphone on my head. I'm not going to yell and jump around and, 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 you know, gyrate like you and Simon do. But we are to preach the word. Now, understand this. First, we come to know the word. Not some watered down chicken soup of the word kind of version. We're to understand the word of God. And to understand it, you have to dive into it and read it and meditate upon it and pray for understanding. And then understand that you don't need one of these to preach. As a matter of fact, for you, there are way more effective pulpits that are not in a church building. Person-to-person -person preaching is conversational. And so you begin as you say, I, I, I am called and my charge is to preach the word, to infuse my conversation with God's word, with the ethics and the doctrines of God, and to be authentic about it, not professional, to be perfect in, in who you are, but not perfect in what you deliver. Understand this, that we are part of the great Amer awakening in America, following Locke and, and, and George Whitfield and others. And that was an evangelistic mission that was primarily person-to-person, person, not preacher-to-person. It was not all pulpit-to-person. Most of the opportunity happened face-to-face -face as one would receive the gospel and then share it simply and clearly with another. So I pray in this opportunity, as we're called to preach the word, to claim the kitchen table, backyard cubicle, or now in the world of Zoom and Google Hangouts, and go to meeting to have a revival in those formats, in those formulas in America, and to be ready and prepared in season and out of season with our witness and testimony. You know, it's important on Independence Day to celebrate some of our own history some of us were taught years ago about the Minutemen, primarily in Massachusetts. Those Minutemen that were part of the American civil uh, soldiery, they were all citizens of the nation. They were not necessarily soldiers, but they were trained to be ready in one minute to go and do battle in the American Revolution. We too, with the word of the gospel, are to be prepared at a minute's notice. We are never to be afraid to preach that gospel in our conversation, in our relationships. Preaching needs to be intentional, not accidental. And you and I are to always be looking for 
the opportunity. And we can't be off, caught off guard when it comes. Now, I know, because I've, I've had this happen to me, it's not always timed out to when our plan is. We might think for a long time, boy, I'd really like to share this gospel with my son, or I'd really like to share this with my friend. I'd really like them to come to know the Lord, and you have these perfect circumstances set out, and then they simply ask you a question, or you're in an environment where, wow, this is the moment. You've got to be ready to preach it in season out of season to step right in without hesitation or concern of circumstances i know i've been in a situation where i've been sitting at a ball field and somebody asked me a question about the lord and i and i i really in my mind wanted to say look dude i'm just here to watch the game but the lord put him beside me to hear something of his word and so that was the moment i was given we have to step into those things in season as scripture says and out of season and preach in the moments your friends your relatives acquaintances and neighbors give you and preach your sermon don't preach mine yours will be more effective to your friends than mine ever will be christians we're to use our free our freedoms to fulfill our church not only to preach the word but to correct and rebuke i know that's tough vocabulary for us because we don't like to tell people they're doing the wrong thing but I want, I want you to help understand what Paul is talking about here. The essence is, is to help others not be wrong. Not that we get to judge them. Not that we get to say, oh, you're doing the wrong thing. But to lovingly help them find the right way. Correcting and rebuking can, can often be the simple awakening to the truth of the scripture to a healthier living. For instance, all the time I hear on, on TV and YouTube and little videos that some, somebody will stand up in front and, and something will have happened in life and they'll say, well, everything happens for a reason. Well, that's true. It's science. If one thing happens, it's simple cause and effect. I learned this in seventh grade. If this happens, then it'll probably cause this to happen. So yeah, everything causes, uh, happens for a reason. I'm still alive because my body is drinking bringing in oxygen and pushing out carbon monoxide so i keep going everything happens for reasons but that's really not that is really not how we help people see the word when you want to see the truth the truth is not just that everything happens for a reason the truth is all things work together for good for those who love the lord who are called according to his purpose which is to say no matter what happens if you are called according to the purpose of god this incident these moments these situations these scenarios are part of God's plan and we're to find how the Lord is working into us and 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 into them and help persons see correct doctrine for healthier understanding and living so so Christians are to use our freedom to fulfill our charge to preach the word to correct and rebuke and to encourage the struggling and the seeking now Christians we've got to get better at this Christians are to encourage people our world is so full of discouragement. There, there is so much putting down of the human soul. You see the anxiousness and the depression just growing in the people that you know all around you because so many people are being pushed down. And, and the Christ message is to lift people up. You and I know that we flock to and we trust people who encourage us. And so we have to be willing to be known as encouragers. And as we use our freedom to fulfill our charge, to preach the word, to correct and rebuke, to encourage the struggling and seeking, we also are to identify and resist false doctrine. You cannot see false doctrine unless you know the truth. So we need to know the truth well enough 
to identify false doctrine. And then frankly, like a snake, we need to step on it and step on it hard. All the time, as Christians, we need to understand that these words will come at us. Hey man, you're on the wrong side of today. Those values are old-fashioned. Those values were written in a book 2,000 years ago. Those, those values were written by, by old men a long time ago. But what we know as Christians is that those books, that book that we lay into, was written by the Lord, who through the Holy Spirit gave wisdom and vision and understanding to men who wrote this down. And I will tell you this, because this is the Christian uh, model. We need to concentrate on being on the right side of God, even if that puts us on the wrong side of today. I would rather be on the right side of God forever than on the right side of today for a moment and end on the wrong side of God. This is important for us. When you know the truth, and we, we follow a Lord that tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you know the truth, you cannot unknow it. You can only deny it, which is to say it's not true, or embrace it, which of course is what the Christian should do. And as Christians are to use our freedom to fulfill our charge, to preach the word, to, to correct and rebuke, to encourage the struggling and the seeking, and to identify and resist false doctrine, we are also to keep our heads and endure, to keep our heads and endure hardship for the faith. Listen, this is what I know, and it's certainly been played out in my own life. Countercultural living has a cost associated with it. We need to endure the, dif the difficult for the one who endured every di human hardship for us, who endured temptation, who endured beatings, who endured, scour endured scourges, who endured humiliation, Jesus Christ our Lord. Countercultural living has a cost. He came to show us the way that was counter to what was going on then. You will not, Christians, you will not, I promise you this, in any generation, you will not be beloved in every circle. But as the scripture says, keep your head. You will be opposed. Sometimes you'll be insulted. I know I have been. You'll be discounted, sometimes discarded from the main school of thought. But keep your focus. Keep your focus on that charge. And the charge is to do everything we can to make that great day come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That great day will transform the culture to Christian. That's when America, that's when the world becomes a Christian culture. When every knee bows on heaven and earth, every tongue on heaven and earth confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the charge that Christ has set upon us. The Christian who lives their faith has a heart overflowing with thankfulness because they are secure in, in using their freedom for the kingdom of heaven. They are assured of a magnificent future with the Lord forever. So Americans, on this fun weekend where we celebrate our independence and, and we, we commemorate the sacrifice of others. So, so today, Americans, because of the sacrifice of many today that are giving it right now and many that have come before us, we have the freedom to fulfill our charge. We have no excuse. Not in our country, not in our political situation. We have no excuse other than choosing not to do it. But we have no excuse because we are given ultimate freedom to fulfill our charge. So let us be about that work. May we pray. Oh God, on this Sunday, we pray for men and women 
who are and have served our country, providing us the freedoms so that we might live out our Christian faith. This morning, Lord, we pray for our active and deployed service personnel, specifically naming Joshua Peterson and Drew Nestor, who are currently deployed. We give thanksgiving for the men and women who have sacrificed a portion of their lives to serve in the United States Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, Merchant Marine, and our National Guard. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice on the battlefield or in service to our country. And we pray for church families who this morning are mourning the loss to death of one who served in the United States Armed Forces as tears brim on the side of their eyes, remembering their husband, their father, their brother, their sister, who have given their lives to protect and guarantee our freedom. We ask, O oh God, that you truly might wrap your arms of love, mercy, and kindness around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.